my four-year love affair with drinking might end now. What are you going to replace it with, Roman? I don't know. No, I'll, I'll keep drinking, but it's just like there have been more days in the last four or five years where I've just needed a sip. It's just like you're going to keep drinking, but you know, you're going to add some self-loathing in there, so it's not so much a love affair. Taking a look at cartoonist Eleanor Davis's two recent books, The Collection of Modern Day Fables, How to Be Happy, and the graphic novel, The Hard Tomorrow. Both titles completely apt for this day and age. If anything, they are time capsules epitomizing the emotional state of the United States in the 2010s. How to Be Happy came out in 2014 and The Hard Tomorrow in 2019. But despite the five-year difference, they read very well as companion pieces. I'm Roman Segel. And I'm Ryan Joe. And we're two privileged jerks with a podcast. <laughs> That's the most accurate description of this podcast ever. <laughs> uh, so, Robin, How to Be Happy is a collection of modern day fables. I felt that least. And Hard to Marble. Hard to Marble. <laughs> That'd be a very different book. It'd be like a book about. We're two a woman drinks in, to, ladies and gentlemen. Trying to like. Would be a book about a woman trying to turn people into stone or something like that. Hard to marble. <laughs> I can't. I can't turn them into marble. Only like nice. All right. Anyway, the hard tomorrow is a much more grounded story of a woman trying to navigate the world as she participates in protests and tries to get pregnant. Initially, I wanted to ask Roman which one of these books you like better, but I'm thinking maybe the better question is, you know, how did you respond to each of them? I didn't know what to expect going into reading these books. We recognized in the first season of this podcast that we were reading the greats, the books that we liked, the authors that we liked. And we just kind of stared and was like, it's a bunch of white dudes. And so there's so much good shit out there by people who are not a bunch of white dudes. And no disrespect to the white dudes, American and British, who wrote some of the most amazing comics. But this was... Both of these books were a refreshing breath of fresh air, and it really reminded me of one of my favorite contemporary fiction authors, Jhumpa Lahiri, and she doesn't write comic books. She writes fiction novels about the South Asian immigrant experience, for the most part in America, but sometimes in India or Bengal, uh, Bangladesh, and her first book was a collection of short stories, and she won the Pulitzer Prize for it, and she was kind of finding her way with characters. And her next book is the one that spoke to me, where it literally felt like she took one of those short stories and fleshed it out further. And I could not help but feel parallels with Eleanor Davis as I was reading these. She's not going to go down in history as one of my favorite authors, like Jhumpa Lahiri does, but there was just so much respect for experimenting with different themes in How to Be Happy. In fact, I almost appreciated it more, but I loved... And I, I decided to read them in chronological order upon release. How to Be Happy came out in 2014. Hard Tomorrow came out in 2019. But reading the short stories first in one sitting and then the next night going deep. And I remember opening the Hard Tomorrow and thinking, Ryan, oh, didn't I read about these people in, in the book? And I didn't. But there is one short story that it really kind of felt linked to. And yeah, 
I maybe it is the moment we're in. Maybe it's just we've been reading a bunch of books by a bunch of white dudes. But I I just really it was refreshing to read these books. I don't know. How about well, you? I mean, was this a first or second time? How do you know this, Eleanor Davis? This how, was, how did you discover her? Somebody, gosh, I, I I think I read about her on a list of like top ten cartoonists, and that's how. Oh no, we used to have a blog called the Football Book Club, and uh, the goal of that club was to spend the you know NFL season not watching football, but instead reading a book, and then we do book reports after that. Of course I watched football instead of, you know, <laughs> doing that. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but how, so how, yeah, it was, yeah. So anyway, I mean, obviously I kind of, I kind of cheated, but you know, one of the, I did read the books too. So I had that going for me, except sometimes we recommended poetry. I don't even know why the hell we did that. No one wants to read poetry, but anyway, I digress. <laughs> So, how to be happy? I think was one of the books that we we had on the on the list. We had a few other interesting graphic novels as well. I think Thomas McGowan's here. I think it's either McGowan, it's either McGowan or McGuire. But yeah, so how how to be happy was was one on the list. And then when I cracked it open for the first time, I was I was sort of amazed at how varied her style was and how varied her stories were. You know, they they all kind of feel like fables, as I mentioned earlier. But some of them feel like fairy tales. Some of them are sort of like enigmatic little stories that like take place in what seems like the real world. Others feel almost like like songs. There's one story that takes place in sort of like this dystopic future. One of my favorites. And, yeah. And and they're all and they're all incredibly different to look at. Like her art style changes. And so there's so much texture to to how to be happy. And yet it also really, really kind of focuses around that theme of happiness and of understanding and accepting of your emotions without like letting them completely overtake you as well. And there's just so many different explorations around that theme. I just thought it was, it was amazing. And then, so when the hard tomorrow was announced and came out in 2019, we look forward to picking it up. Well, I want to come back to how to be happy. It's as you were talking, I was thinking through, it's like, I just enjoyed these. I wasn't looking for a theme unless it was the title, right? And I got to ask, I mean, I know what my two or three favorites were in here, but what were some of your favorite stories in How to Be Happy? Because it's, it's a book of short stories. Well, you mentioned the one that takes place in the in, in the future. This, this of, course you, of course you like that one, yes. The yeah. Well, I don't know. I liked it, it too. It, I liked it too. It wasn't that it was dystopic. I mean, it doesn't, I mean, it just, it takes place in a dystopia. It's not like dystopic in the sense that anything like really crazy happens. A woman goes to visit her sick friend and then returns her home. Sick, her sick dad. Her sick, her sick dad. dad. Yeah. And then, and then, and then returns home. But it was, it was illustrated in a much, in, in a different style from all of the others in the book. I mean, it's much more, it's, it's, it's just much more colorful and vibrant to look at. And at the same time, it's a very simple lovely story that I think Eleanor Davis is able to encapsulate a lot of emotion and characterization and kind of detailing the relationships between the different people in that like six page strip. And she does it so elegantly and, and so succinctly that I, I thought, you know, that it well, was what, what I, what I liked about it is it, what I love about science fiction, you know, it's the future, it's robots, whatever 
is the best science fiction is telling a narrative and a commentary on today. And that's what that one felt like. Yeah, there's a f- another planet colony and all this other shit going on. But it was literally saying one daughter made the choice to live the harder kind of hippie lifestyle. But in a kind of not too distant future, she's getting to eat organic produce because she's growing it. But she comes back to the real world and that's not the real world. And my best friend, Barun, who was on one of our Sandman episodes, he lives this idyllic life, which comes at a greater cost, but he's making the right choices. And I do feel like when he comes well, and, and wait, what's the cost for Barun, though? He's, I mean, you make it sound like he's killing people and slowly, like, no, like no, degrading no, no, no. his moral soul. No, no, no. Barun uh, is a vegan. He's a Buddhist. He lives a life. He's trying to live a zero waste life right now. And he uh. lives out in Berkeley in California. And he's like the daughter who came back from the farm. And again, we're not living a poisoned lifestyle, but my wife and I are not vegan. We are not zero waste. We are not Buddhist, you know? We're having to make the the sacrifices is the wrong word. We're having to make the compromises of the real world. And you read this book about these two sisters and the sister with the baby, she's making the compromises to live in the world as it is now. And the other sister goes off to her hippie commune and grows berries. And they're both acceptable paths, but the contrast is shown, you know, and she remembers eating at the Taco Bell, even though it was garbage food, you know, Barun doesn't eat meat anymore, but he remembers eating at Milo's Burgers in Auburn. And for some reason, that one really spoke to me, probably because I was editing the Barun episode as I was reading it. I mean, but honestly, the other two, my favorite, just to jump around, the the first story of the hippies kind of living the Adam and Eve thing. To me, that felt very linked to the Hard Tomorrow. It felt like Hard Tomorrow could have come out a few months later in these couples' lives. And then the mm-hmm. Greyhound bus story. I loved the Greyhound bus story. And this talk about different style. It's like oh. four by four by five panels. Yeah, actually, that one I really, really liked also. But, you know, again... Just to her like... range. Her range is great. Not just range of art, but range of storytelling um, yeah well because like this is like these very small grids and what i love about the the bus tale is a woman on a bus and actually as she's going on the bus as she's taking her trip she, she starts to kind of learn a little bit more about the weird the, the different people who are who are around her and and what they want popping in and out popping in and out of the journey yeah but what's so cool about it is that she like eleanor davis characterizes these people in one panel you just get a panel of each person and they say like one thing and that you you get a sense of what their entire lives are like just in that one panel. And I have no idea how Eleanor Davis did this or how, I mean, like it must've taken, I kind of think it must've taken her a long time just to figure out like how to convey all of this, this emotion and history in a one inch by one inch panel. It's like amazing. And then you have that moment after you get into this rhythm of all of these different people on the bus. And then you have this moment of like transcendence of fucking God coming down. And it's a, it's this double page spread. The whole comic up to this point have been these small squares, black and white, very simple line drawings. And then when God comes down from the heavens, you've got like, it's, it's, it's but, like but on these that page, swooping like, lines. It's no. And then they're, it's in they're, color. It's and yeah. yeah. And all the, all the books we read every once in a while, I've been taking a deeper appreciation of the art of like, what do I want to scan to keep to print on my wall? And the contrast in this page of the hands of God coming down and the oil dirks or whatever it is, you know, the poison in the earth at the bottom in the desert, which she's probably seeing as she's driving by. The, it's like this amazing contrast on so many levels. It's beautiful. Oh, my God. 
Yeah, well, you know, yeah, that's the other thing because like everything else had been so small and cramped, and this is like this huge double page spread. It's 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 beautiful to look at, and then the next page, she's kind of going going right back into the bus and telling those quiet little stories. So I just thought that yeah, the the amount of character and tone and that one was like a dream. If I were gonna buy one of these, I would buy this one more than the Hard Tomorrow because it's just like these short beats, you know, that you can oh, jump yeah. in and out of. Seven Sacks, the guy rowing the animals across, that was so hilarious. Like with the different animals, with the sacks of like other dead animals. <laughs> but to your point about Eleanor Davis's like variation of tone and and feeling, this feels almost sort of it's like a little, it's almost like a little joke. You know, it's a simple fable of like these weird animals wanting a, a ride across a river. And then it, and you, you think know, it, it, and you think it's going to go somewhere and it doesn't. Well, it kind of does at the end where he's just sort of like. He, well, the story the story's about him. The story's not about what's going across the river with these with these. Monsters. No, 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 no. But that's what I think. Like at the end, he's just like rabbits, rabbits, you know, sort of like, yeah, that's what it is. It's definitely rabbits in those sacks. And so you have this kind of very human moment of it's, him. It's how you be happy. Fun. We tell ourselves lies. Exactly. Well, exactly. Raman, I mean, to the to the theme, even this one kind of improbably circles back to the theme of, of you know, of how to kind of just get through life. But yeah, so, that one was that one was that one was fantastic. And then the one with the fox being skinned. The slow process of these people skinning a dead fox that they found on the side of a road. And it's just like this is shown in almost sort of excruciating clinical, I won't say excruciating, but very, very clinical detail. But at the end, there's this interesting moment where they've skinned the fox, they've pulled the skin off of its face essentially in one swoop and and Eleanor Davis writes, and for a moment there were two foxes kissing until Lacey cut through the nose cartilage and they were separated. And that image is just just kind of haunts me. The idea that, of two that foxes entire, that, For some reason, that story bugged the hell out of me. I, I Yeah. It was the only one I really couldn't get behind. This is, see, this is, but this is because I remember I'm the one who dragged you into Junji Ito and you were like, thanks, Ryan, for that shit. This is kind of the most Junji Ito ish of, of, of Eleanor Davis's stories. But, you know, and it's but, jarring. It's jarring because she doesn't go there as a creator until that one story. So, what, what bugged you about it? I know the creature was dead. I don't, I'd almost forgotten they found it on the side of the road, but it's just, slow methodical seemingly torture i felt like i was being tortured reading it oh yeah, that's I, interesting yeah I, I i didn't i felt like she was dealing with really grisly material but in a way that wasn't that wasn't like freakish that wasn't meant to kind of you know titillate you as like so much violence in graphic novels and comics is, is. well the simplicity uh, but, the simplicity is what's terrifying about it well, I wouldn't. I didn't think it was terrifying. I thought it was mesmerizing. You know, when they're cutting off the the animals' like legs, they say, you know, they peeled away the skin on the legs, showing dark red, glistening muscle. You know, to me, I mean, it's almost sort of beautiful the way she describes that skinning. But maybe that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> the, insert maniacal laugh. <laughs> But I, you know what, though? I mean, because we've just been going off talking about a few of the stories that really resonated with us. Yeah, and we got to so start shitting on the book. We got to start well, shitting no, no, on the book. No, no, right no. They, they, but I mean, the fact is that you and I had such different reactions to them. I mean, even across 
across the board. Like each of those stories just hit us, kind of gut punched us all, but in completely, totally different ways. And that is the power of Eleanor Davis as a as a storyteller. It's just how you know how she how she can. She's like a poet. I gosh, I feel bad because earlier I said, "Who the hell reads poetry anyway?" And I'm comparing Eleanor Davis to a poet, a visual but, you know, poet, right? A visual poet. No, no. Here's the thing: if you think of a what is it? What is a what is a good poet? A good poet is somebody who can say a lot. Someone in, who knows uh, it. Sorry. So, but you know, earlier today when when we were about to dive into the books, I was going to say, "And let's jump a Lahiri into how to be happy." <laughs> I never got to say that pun though, and it, and, it, and it bothers me, so I'm just going to say it right here. Edit, edit, the, edit that in. Edit that in. <laughs> no, a poet is somebody who can say a lot in a little in in, in as little space yes. as possible. It's like a, like a good coder, and you know, in this case, Eleanor Davis is an amazing cartoonist because she packs so much story, yeah, yeah. depth story into these little tiny spaces with just a few strokes of a pencil or a pen and a few words. So let's shift gears to Hard Tomorrow. I I swear when I opened it up the next night, I, and I know it's not what she was intending to do. Maybe I'm too literal at this, but that's kind of how I felt with the story that Jhumpa Lahiri did. It felt like a continuation of the first story from How to Be Happy. I felt like I already knew these people when I met them. Yeah, I I see what you're saying. I actually did think of it as a companion piece to How to Be Happy. It's sort of like like the lost story of How to Be Happy. So I didn't think of it as a continuation of a specific story in here, but as like a you know it would fit well in this collection, which is maybe kind of just two ways of saying the same thing. Basically, that this is spiritually this spiritually is very much in sync with How to Be Happy. I I I, I actually although, although although I although I'd make the argument, I don't think these people know how to be happy. Unlike everyone else in How to Be Happy. Yeah, they're. This what do you mean everyone darker. else in How to Be? Well, no, the people in How to Be Happy, you could. They don't all know how to be happy. I mean, a lot of them. I mean, the the point is like they're trying to well, find they're, happiness. They're, they're, well, they're they're moral fables linked. Yeah, to yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, true, true. What were you saying? What were you saying about the hard tomorrow? You said that they don't. They These are people, they're, they're, the people are lost. They're lost, and I didn't feel. Uh, I'm not saying I, did, I enjoyed this because okay. I like no, I like a good I, I like a good narrative piece, but and because it's a longer story, you can't check in and check out. Like yeah, you do in every short story. It I'll, I'll give I'll give you a terrible example. Wait, can, um, can can we just go back real fast? Because I I, I just want to you said they're lost, and I just want I want to talk about that a little bit. The characters in how to in the hard tomorrow are lost. My impression is that they're lost because of the system around them. I guess that was my, you know, uh, okay. I, when you so, say, so, yeah, so, what do you mean when you say they're lost? It's exactly what you said at the top of this hour. This book felt ru- not rushed in a bad way. This book had to come out in 2019. And honestly, it felt like it had to come out in 2020 because up until the moment, an hour before we recorded this podcast, I felt lost. I felt, to bring it back to reality, you know, we we all expected there would be a, a more of a landslide. And the fact that it was as close as it was in the selection made me question my fellow Americans. Mm. Right. And so that sense of feeling lost in a drift and not knowing if your people, your countrymen stand with you. That's how I feel lost. And again, yeah. I, I, this book hit too close to home because I read it between election night and five days later when we know the results. But these characters, not as literally, but they 
they seem adrift. They seem lost with trying to have a family. Do we, is this really the person I want to have a family with these things I'm protesting for? Actually, the protesting didn't feel relevant and not in a bad way. It just, to me, that was window dressing, Mm. but it's just their interactions with society, their interactions with trying to have a livelihood. It, yeah, it just, these people felt adrift. And so the the thing I was going to say earlier, it's a weird thing to say. The one thing I liked about the Walking Dead comic books is it wasn't a one and done zombie story. It just kept going and it never quit. And after having just read How to Be Happy and these kind of short parables, this one just kind of kept going and didn't know how to quit with these characters. And it was this awkward, we're going to follow it through. We're going to follow through so many moments of I had already trained my mind for Eleanor Davis to kind of give me these pithy, concise things. And she was dragging out these characters. And got it. It was good. Yeah. Well, you you do say dragging out these characters. So I get the sense that you didn't really like it, even though you said at the end, but it's good. I get the sense that it was like, you know, you were getting I, kind of impatient. I I enjoyed how to be happy more. I but to be fair, what I didn't like about how to be happy was it was too little. And this one wasn't too much because I love a good narrative. And one thing she did well was, you know, the story does end on a nice note, but it feels like it ends very abruptly. Uh Ah, yeah. So that was actually my feeling with The Hard Tomorrow as well. Because as much as it feels sort of simpatico with How to Be Happy, you know, every, you know, emotion in How to Be Happy is often feels kind of almost like it's abstracted, right? You you know, because of the, the brevity of those cartoons in How to Be Happy, it seems like you know, you 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 kind of have to distill a lot of emotion in, in in little space. And here with Hard Tomorrow, Eleanor Davis can really kind of expand a lot of the complexities of these of these people out. And it's it's different because it it doesn't feel like a fa- it's not a fable. The Hard Tomorrow is a very grounded narrative. It feels sort of like a very it actually does take place in the dystopia where Zuckerberg is president, but. You know, at the same I, was, time, it, was, like, it, was the actual was he actually president? I was just thought they were just commenting on fuck Mark Zuckerberg, but he's the president. I, 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 I was trying, I was debating that because you know because sometimes it feels like very very modern, like the characters reference watching Game of Thrones season two, but then they start talking about like President Zuckerberg, which I didn't, I wasn't sure if that was just like you know they were trying to satirize Mark Zuckerberg, but yeah, then you talk about Trump, face yeah. right. But later on, there's there's this whole talk about Facebook drones that are that are out there. Oh and yeah, and I the, started and the to buddy, wonder, the buddy who's a prepper, right? That's when I started to rethink. Okay, that's actually Mark Zuckerberg as president. Facebook has like literally taken over. So it's actually very subtle the way she kind of weaves in the fact that this is that this is you know meant to be like a dystopic alternate reality, you know, because much of it wow. is it feels like you know ours, but it. I feel like I need to reread this book now through that lens. Yeah, you wouldn't know it otherwise. You know, it's it's like these details that Eleanor Davis will slip in there to tweak your reading of it. There were a couple of like fantastic comedic beats. And I'm trying to find one with the old lady that she takes care of. And I don't even remember what it was, but I was reading it in bed next to my wife. And there was, I don't remember what it was, but there was a laugh out loud moment with the old lady. And she, my wife asked what, what's so funny. And I just, I couldn't even explain it because I was like, I, I it's too much. There's too much setup to tell you what, what made this moment amazing. The other comedic moment, I hate to say it, is when the guy shoots the gun in the air. <laughs> and oh, a few minutes yeah. later, the bullet so dark, so good. 
So here's what here's okay. So here's where I mean, you were talking about it ending abruptly. What this really felt like was sort of like the first chapter of a longer graphic novel, you know, because at the end, both of the main characters are in trouble for different reasons. And you think, okay, here's where the shit's really going to hit the fan. Here's where you're really going to see the story change. And instead, they just kind of have a baby and then has this weird 2001 Space Odyssey uh, situation where the last few pages are like close-ups of the baby. And that's the end of the book. And so, you know, it just, it felt like one of those things where, you know, in How to Be Happy, wait, let me just- Hang on, hang on. Go ahead. Uh, In How to Be Happy, the, the- you know, there are there are stories that feel like they're just kind of cut off. And it works because all of those stories are meant to be really, really short. Here, Eleanor Davis is setting up, you know, a really complex, interesting situation. These really interesting characters with these w- interesting dynamics between each other. And then she kind of just, it almost feels like she just decides to like, eh, ignore it at the end. So here's where I'm going to disagree. I'm genuinely curious if Eleanor Davis is a mom. Because... Those last three pages, which are the couple finally has a baby, fast forward into the future, and the baby is born. That is the moment where your life changes completely. It puts everything into focus. If you choose, if someone chooses to have kids, right? It's up until that moment, you've kind of been living your life for yourself and all your fucked up drama and weirdness. And the calculus of everything changes when you have this little person that is completely dependent on you. And not, not a day goes by that it, that is my, it becomes your frame of reference. It literally is your, your frame of reference by which you make almost every other call. Maybe that's how I react to being a parent. But in that moment, everything leading up to that moment, their concerns of the politics of the world, their choices to protest, their decisions to build a house and live out on a farm or whatever, and, and all the fucked up things that happen leading up until that moment. But then you fast forward a few months later and they have a kid and it's like, like you literally hit the reset button. You can't sweep under the rug all the bad shit that you've got coming. They both do have some stuff coming their way. But again, their frame of reference has changed and that's as good a place as any to to stop. You stop yeah, and you reassess. that's great. That's what I'm, I mean by like, it feels like this is where shit should start really getting real well go read go read saga that's that's where saga picks up <laughs> no that's not what i'm saying what i'm saying is she sets all of these characters up gets them really into the deep shit and heck man maybe they can go work that stuff out and then at the end have the baby as the sort of the encapsulation it's just that she, that i felt like eleanor davis was getting us ready to you know tell a really intricate story and then she just kind of pulls back or she just stops you know, and that was what kind of drove me nuts a little bit. I guess if it were, if this were included in How to Be Happy, I would kind of just expect that this is just, you know, meant to be sort of like a small. Right, but but she's trained. She's trained you to expect a longer story than this one. At this one, yes, exactly. Then that's you know. You, but but it, you know, it's 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 again. I say this, and you, again, as a newly married person, like your time before you knew your spouse was the one. Like, there's a clear uh, demarcation point in your life. And kids are another demarcation point. It's like, yeah, I had a life. And I still continue some of that life, right? But to me, it makes sense. 
this is great. You know, all that other shit that happened before doesn't fucking matter anymore. All that matters. And that's why this kid gets three pages. I see. That's that's I totally disagree that 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 the stuff that happened before didn't matter. The stuff that happened before is pivotal. He shot his buddy in the eye. I mean, accidentally, but, you know. He is responsible for his friend's death. You kind of one kind of wonders. Okay, what the well, hell? Well, okay, okay. So, but that's the other thing. Before you have a child, you are a fully realized human being with with faults and funny stories and stuff. But and it, it, it's not saying it doesn't matter. But that was everything before. And you, yeah, you have to pay down the debt of the things that happened before. You don't get a, a real reset button. But what does reset is your frame of reference. What does reset is your priorities. And I'm wondering if that's why she. Again, maybe not. Maybe yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. Not. No, I, I, you're right. There is a, there is a reason Eleanor Davis pulled the plug when she did. And yeah, you know, maybe I mean maybe that. Or was she was like, I don't. Or she was like, fuck, I don't know what to do with the story. Ah, let's get her pregnant. <laughs> Done. The like, end. Or she's just like, she's just like, oh, I'm just gonna just draw some baby pictures, just toss them in there at the end. <laughs> I really wonder if she has kids or not. Oh, you can Facebook stalk her if she's on. Facebook. No, but 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 I mean, literally knowing that. I, I think I can read into the interpretation. If she has kids, I can read into I can make my interpretation on more solid footing. But if she doesn't, eh, she just wanted to draw some baby pictures at the end. She just wanted to follow through with the plot point of the kid, but not finish the plot. Yeah. Well, so did you did you like the the Heart Tomorrow? I I mean I'm glad I read them in chronological order by which she released them because had I only picked up Hard Tomorrow by itself, I would not have liked it. But mm. I had already become accustomed to her style the night before. Like I said, it is her style is a breath of fresh air. I love two things I love in the comics. I, mean, I was thinking about this after our last Sandman episode. Why do I love comics? It's not because of superheroes. I mean, maybe that's what kind of hooked me in. It's not the art what hooked me in. I read a lot of novels. I like stories. I like great TV shows and great films. Comic books are a storytelling medium. And some of my favorite comics that I've read on this podcast with you are the ones that aren't fantastical, the ones that just tell kind of stories of mundane lives or even nonfiction works, right? It's the medium has because of the visuals. And again, Eleanor Davis didn't kind of use her shortcutting visual style in this one where she could pack so much into one frame, right? But what I why was it a breath of fresh air? Because it was just about people. There's no robots. There's no time travel. There's no aliens. And again, why I like Saga so much is, yes, all the fantastical stuff is so much fun, but it's all window dressing because it's a story about two parents just trying to figure their shit out. So it was a very human story, and I enjoyed that. I'm really glad you made the decision that we had to read both together because I don't think I would have enjoyed Hard Tomorrow by itself. I just would have read it as a plot. Yeah, no, that is interesting. I never thought about like the how would it feel reading coming into the Hard Tomorrow cold versus like having kind of been prepped for it. Based off and, it's the same, and it's the same thing about Jhumpa Lahiri. Like, I, the namesake is a better book after you read The Interpreter of Maladies. Jhumpa Lahiri was the only fiction writer that New Yorker published from like 2000 to like 2006. What? I'm kidding, but it's, it sure as shit felt like that for a while. Can I say something about her really quick? We're, we're saying, you can edit yeah. this out. When I read The Namesake, her, her, sec, her full length novel after the book, she, the book of short stories she won the Pulitzer for, The Namesake's about a little South Asian American boy growing up from the moment he's a kid to a full adulthood. And I read the book in my 20s, like, oh my God, this is my life. And I like just, I, it was the best book ever. Everyone must read this book. It's my life. And then they made a movie of it. Mira Nair directed it and they cast 
I, I there's not a lot of people in the world who irrationally hate for me, but Cal Penn is one of them. And so they cast Cal wait, Penn as the son. Wait, why is it because of Harold and Kumar? I don't know why. I just don't like him. But anyway, I so I didn't like Cal Penn. So I walk into this movie. I have to see this movie. It's the the movie about me, right? But I I hate Cal Penn, the guy who's playing me. <laughs> and so, but 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 as the father. As the father, they cast Irfan Khan, who's this amazing actor I did not know anything about at the time. He passed away two years ago. And I saw the whole movie from the dad's point of view. And I shit you not, walking out of the Esquire Theater in Cincinnati after I saw that movie, I called my dad and I apologized to him for what an asshole I must have been as like a teenager. (laughs) Because I saw, I read the book from the son's point of view. I saw the movie from the dad's point of view. And I don't know why I'm telling you this, because we're just kind of talking about Junko Lahiri. And maybe it's because I'm of South Asian descent, but her books just like cut straight to my heart. And I wonder, Eleanor Davis wasn't writing these books for me, but it's clear because there's a female protagonist. Yeah, let's bring this back. Almost every short story of hers, for the most part, and and Hard Tomorrow, female main character, female protagonist. And is that who she's writing it for? Is she writing it for herself? Who is she writing this for? I think she's just kind of writing it for herself. This, she's got a story that she wants to tell. And if other people are interested in, you know, following along, then great. I kind of get the sense that, she, you know, like with How to Be Happy, she's just writing stories that she thinks are interesting. So, you know, I don't I don't think she's like approaching it like, you know, like this is a marketing campaign and I have to target, you know, women age 17 to 35 who also like saris. She's writing for herself. And... Maybe she's one well, maybe of maybe that's the best kind of art, right? So you can yeah, well, right, right. You're, well, why are you writing this? You're writing this to kind of work out your own thoughts, your own feelings, your own anxieties. I mean, there are a lot of there are a lot of writers, cartoonists, poets. Bring up poets again, filmmakers, musicians who who do that. And it's not about like finding the the audience. It's about just having a story that you really feel compelled to tell other people. So, what are we reading next week? Next week, we're actually going to read. Black by Kwanzaa Ozayefo and Tim Smith. And what's really cool about this book is it's equal parts commentary, equal parts superhero, equal parts good, equal parts bad. I'm about halfway through it so far, but it imagines a world where only black people have superpowers. And this has been going on for hundreds of years and it's been oppressed. And Insert commentary. Now, is it well executed? Debatable. Is it an interesting comment on our kind of society and how we view black people? Absolutely. Two volumes have come out. The book has been critically acclaimed. I think it's coming out on Netflix at some point. But it's just a really novel, interesting take on, you know, classic sci-fi fiction commenting what's going on in our world. So, black and... The sequel, Black AF, next week.